be back with you again. Um, I've known Pastor Mike for many, many years. Uh, we kind of grew up in ministry together, in a way. Met every uh, month uh, as free church pastors up here in a, in a cluster or a group together and uh, became wonderful friends and uh, prayer partners throughout the years. And so it's neat that God has put us in the same area again so we can have some fellowship. And uh, right now I'm uh, serving as a counselor and uh, licensed by the state. And I work about, what, two blocks over here in this uh, 212 medical building. And uh, so that's not too far away. And uh, I also uh, have an office up in Chanhassen and uh, do some teaching through Crown College. And so it's amazing how, what kind of areas God puts you in. And uh, you never quite know exactly how he's going to use you. So you just have to be prepared. As somebody once told me to, whenever you can, to preach, pray, or die. <laughs> so be ready. You don't know what's going what's gonna to happen, what God's going to do. So let's uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We ask for your grace to express your heart and uh, ask that you would uh, open up our hearts and our minds to what you have for us today. So I believe that you brought me to this week, a uh, study of this passage and in your word, and that you have already prepared people here to receive what you have. So I pray that uh, we will leave change today and that our hearts will become in tune with walking in your grace and in your love. And so may you be honored in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had something happen to you that was painful that you didn't expect? Right? Life isn't, uh, what do you call it, a, a bowl of cherries or, <laughs> or a bed of roses or whatever. We often go through times where we do not anticipate the complexity that life some comes in and puts upon us. In particular, uh, as Christians, we make it through life because we believe that God is with us. We believe that he is there and that he will walk with us in this journey. And, uh, but that does not mean that hard things won't happen in this world. Just as we got done singing the song and hearing the story, the man got tuberculosis and he thought he was doing exciting, wonderful things and putting out these songs and, and still things happen. And so... When they happen, what are you going to do? That's where faith is put to the test. Will we continue to have faith? Will we trust in God's love for us even in these moments? So we may have lots of questions and our minds may go all over the place wondering why this is happening to me. But underneath of that, is there a foundation of trust in the love of God and that he is for 
us, not against us. So from the beginning of time, Christians have had to endure all kinds of problems and tribulations. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. The writer of Hebrews says, what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samtum and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames, who escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again, and then he goes on to this group. And there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. All of these were commended for their faith, yet not one of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So from the beginning of Christianity, people have suffered. Suffering occurs in the lives of the saints. But there are also promises. And the one that I take comfort in most is that God sees. He sees what I'm going through. He sees the pain that I experience. He sees the mistreatment, the lies, the betrayals. He understands. He too could go through what Jesus went through when he was here. He was betrayed. He was mocked. He was flogged. He was ridiculed. He understands. And he will reward those who consistently look to him and his love and chooses, choose to believe by faith at a time that he chooses Maybe not in our time, but in his time. He knows best. Can you trust him? Do you trust him and his love for you? So today, we're not much different than others who've gone before us. Even when Jesus was walking around, there was a group of people who came to him and asked him this very question. He said, they said to him, do you not know that these some terrible things happened to these other Christians? And we read about that in Luke chapter 13, verse 1. Now, there were some present at the time there who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So they're worshiping and they're killed in the temple and Pilate came along and had the soldiers mix their blood in with their own sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? 
I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too all will perish. So where was God when this tower fell on these people and when these other people were attacked and killed? Did he not know? Was he surprised by it? He'd tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. It's about faith. Do you believe that God loves you in spite of the circumstances? Remember, God is eternal. And when Jesus was here, he spoke to what was eternal. He spoke about the soul. To take the body, can't take the soul. And who's the opposer of our soul? Satan. So there's a spiritual battle going on for your soul today. And the question is, as you think about your life, is it about here, is it about now, or is it about what is eternal? God uses our difficulty here to expose what he values most, and that is faith in him, in his power and in his love, rather than on our self-reliance and our strength. Psalm 34, 7 says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 18, 2 talks about God being our deliverer. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Is the Lord your stronghold today? Do you see that no matter what else happens, that his love is there for you? So the bottom line is that regardless of what happens here on this planet, our God is with us. He loves us with an everlasting love. It's not just for today. It's not just for yesterday. It's not just when I was born. It's not just when I graduated from high school. It's not just when I made the A on a test or whether or not I was uh, the high scorer in a football game. Okay? God loves us all the time with an everlasting love, eternal. David got this. He said in Psalm 103, 17, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord says, he appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. So based upon God's everlasting love for us, we are told in a little verse in Jude to do something very special. Very special. 
Somebody says, well, I can't read the whole Bible. It's all just too confusing for me. I say, well, can you read one page? And in that one page, can you read one verse? So if you go to the book of Jude, one page, right next to Revelation in the back of your Bible, okay? And in verse 21, we read these words. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So one day in my office, I was uh, praying and considering this passage and meditating it on it, and on the wall across me was uh, a row of filing cabinets, and I had this picture on the edge of one of the filing cabinets, and it was of a hot air balloon. And then it hit me, the truth of this passage. God has a place for you and me, a place to keep us safe while we're here in this crazy, mixed-up planet plagued with sin, and he has the power to keep us, to keep our soul intact during this journey. And he does it in the name of the one who conquered sin and death and was victorious over all the fear that we have in this life. And that name is? Say it. Jesus, that's right. So in John 17, which was read already today, okay, we read these words. Jesus is praying for us. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. The name that you gave me. What's that name? Jesus. Jesus. Why did he do it? So that we may be one as God is one, so that they may be one as we are one. And while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None of them has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. So I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. My question for you today is where's your home? Is it here? Are you of this world? Or have you given your life to Christ and do you identify with him? And he said he's not of this world. And he said those who believe in me are not of this world any more than I am of it. So when we get, how would you say, attracted to, infatuated with the things that we see, 
we live by what is seen rather than unseen, we get ourselves into trouble. Because we forget that we're not of this world any more than Christ is of it. When we give our lives to him, he comes in and lives his life in us. And he fills us with all that he is. And who is he? God is love. So if you're a Christian, you should be filled with what? The love of God. And that's what keeps us safe in the middle of this crazy world that we live in is that our hearts can stay soft and we don't have to get hardened by all the crazy things that we see. So is your heart soft toward God? Do you love other people? Do you see his love changing you? When others disappoint you and frustrate you, can you look past it and just simply love them? Because the love of God is flowing out of you to them without judgment? Because truly, all judgment has been placed on Christ, on the cross. He took care of it. So there is no judgment. It's, go it's gone. So why do we judge ourselves? Paul said he doesn't. He doesn't even judge himself. He accepts the love of God for his life, and he lived in that love. So Jesus knows the problem will come and that we need protection. His prayer is that we would remain protected by his name. He wants us not to be focused on circumstances, but on experiencing life living in the blessing of God, full of his joy and power within us as we submit to him in full obedience. The world will hate us. It does not understand, but that does not diminish our joy as we are participating with God in his nature, in who he is. His prayer is that we would be protected from the evil one, for we are not of the world, even as Jesus was not of it. This is who we are. This is what we must remember as we live here. So how does God keep us full of joy while we are in the world that is not our own? The answer is, he provides a balloon for us to keep ourselves in, called his love. Keep yourself in his love. So Jude was written about A.D. 80 by Judas, the half-brother of Jesus. He had become a Christian, and God made it clear to him, like his brother James, that Jesus was the Son of God. False teachers had come into the church. He was angry about it, and he wanted Christians to stand up together for the truth. So you can just hear him saying, you Christians, chosen children of God's own calling, set apart from the world by the truth that God has given you, keep yourself in his love, in God's love. So the, the topic of this sentence in Jude 21, the subject is you. <laughs> you keep yourself, okay? So what does it mean to be kept? It means to abide in, to live in, to 
have your sustenance in. We're not to go anywhere because everything's gonna be provided for us right there. We are to live our lives both individually and corporately with the realization of God's love for us. So you have to know that you 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 know that God loves you. If you're gonna live in it, that's the way you think. I don't care what's going on around me today, God's love for me today is the same as it was yesterday and the same as it will be tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and forever. It's everlasting. So when we begin to doubt, we become like the disciples when they experience the storm. Remember that? Storm comes up, they're all battling the storm, Jesus is there on the ship with them. And what is Jesus doing? He's what? He's sleeping. Is he worried about the storm? Uh-uh. So what did the disciples forget? They came to Jesus and said, you're gonna let us what? Drown. So they did not believe that he what? Loved them. That's the problem. So you gotta know that you know that you know that you know that God loves you. And when you get in these situations, you have to go find him and what? Sleep with him. You have to just go rest with him. You have to get in the balloon. And you have to trust that he loves you. So the flame, you know, in the balloon, the hot air balloons, when it gets really hot, it makes the, makes the balloon go where? Makes it go up in the air. And then the problems look what? Smaller from this perspective. So I can know just by talking to people where they're at with their faith, by how they talk about the problems they're experiencing. Interesting, isn't it? Are the problems big or are the problems small? So when you have faith in God's love, the balloon goes up, begin to doubt, and all of a sudden, the problems become big again. Paul had an understanding of this. And uh, God gave me a fresh awakening uh, just this last January. Um, Since I've been here last, I had a a bout with hepatitis. And uh, my liver was attacked through a virus, they found out. Uh, But I have an immune system that doesn't fight very well. And so it just kind of took over. And I didn't know what was going on. I just went to the doctors because I thought I had a bladder infection. And then found out I was going into the emergency room and pretty soon they were talking liver transplants, they were talking pancreatitis, they were talking that my gallbladder was filled with sludge and it was going to have to be removed. And I'm going, oh, (laughs) this is interesting. I wonder how God is going to what? Work with this one. (laughs) 
if he wants me alive, I guess he's going to have to figure this out because I really don't have a clue as to what he's doing right now. So my response, amazing, was similar to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 26. So here's what Paul said. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked and spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, dangers from bandits, dangers from my fellow Jews, and dangers from Gentiles, dangers from the city, dangers from the country, dangers at sea, and danger from false believers. So I guess Paul had to make a decision. Was he going to continue to do the will of God and be obedient because he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew that God loved him? Was he going to have great faith in God's love even in the middle of this situation, or was he going to doubt and give up? So any one of these things, he could have quit, but he didn't. And because of that, we have the New Testament today, right? So if God can give Paul the strength to continue in the midst of all this stuff, he can give me the strength to continue in the midst of the diagnosis I've been given and in the midst of anything else that occurs here on the planet. So Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, verses 38, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate me because I'm in the balloon. <laughs> David got it. In Psalm 36, 7, he says, how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. In Psalm 52, 8, he says, I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. In Psalm 136, 26, we read, Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. And Daniel said in Daniel 9, 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So we have to get into the balloon of God's love. Once there, we have to believe in it. We have to walk in the way of it. We have to acknowledge it and praise God for it. So it is your proclamation of the power of God's love for you that is accounted to you as faith. When you say, God loves me, you make different choices. So instead of fighting the things in front of you, you begin to rest and rely on the sufficiency of Christ in everything. And you believe that he is strong when you're weak. That his wisdom goes beyond comprehension. You believe that he can do the impossible. 
and you rely on it and rest in it. Ephesians chapter five, verse one, Paul says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. In other words, keep yourself in his love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So it is because of Christ's love for us that he died for us. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, doesn't matter who you are, believes in him, they will not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 3.16. Really? You need to memorize this one, okay? Everybody. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Therefore, we should lay down our life for each other. How about that? So one explains the other. Isn't that amazing? 1 John 3.16, easy reference to remember. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Therefore, we can lay down our lives for each other. Bank on it. So I know what love looks like. It looks like accepting what Christ did for me. And how do I show my thankfulness? By doing the same, laying down my life for others. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter three, verses 18 and 19. Paul says that they may have power together with all the saints, all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses all knowledge and that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So who wants to be totally filled with God today? We all do. So you have to know that you 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 know that what? God loves you because this is what love is. Christ came and he died for you. That's the gospel, isn't it? Receive it, the gospel. Jesus died for me. And that gives me the capacity to love even this person who curses me. Bless those who what? Curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. How can I do that? Well, you can't unless you're in a balloon. <laughs> can't unless you're in his love. So during my sickness, I reminded myself often that God's love for me does not change because of my circumstances, that it is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he loves me, period. So it is our faith in God's love that sets us soaring regardless of our circumstances that we find ourselves in. So much faith and the balloon goes where? Up, little faith. And it becomes down and the world becomes daunting. Next picture. 
There it is. <laughs> so do you feel like that sometimes? Well, tells me we got to get in the balloon. <laughs> get in the balloon, okay? Now, as we are up in the balloon, how does the balloon move from one place to another? The, the wind. It's not through you pedaling, okay? We don't make it go. We're not supposed to. What are we supposed to do in the balloon? Well, we go to our verse in Jude, keep yourself in God's love while you what? While you wait. Interesting. Dr. Seuss says that place is not for you. <laughs> but God says sometimes you have to wait for him. Do not get out in front of him. He's supposed to be in front of us. We're supposed to be following who? Him. My sheep hear my voice. They know me and they what? Follow me. They don't lead me. I think a lot of times we try to lead God around. And we tell, ask him to bless us as we're on this journey when we're trying to lead him around. And he says, no, don't do that. He says, I want you to wait. Don't pedal your way, don't drive. Don't in any way make the, uh, try to think that you're gonna take it anywhere because there is even instruction on how we're supposed to wait in scripture. And does anybody know that answer? How are we supposed to wait? Patiently. <laughs> yes. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Romans 8, 24, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we don't have yet, we wait for it how? Patiently. Well, I hope I'll get well. How am I supposed to wait? Patiently. I hope God hears my prayer. How am I supposed to wait? Patiently. Man, we are so impatient. We're instant gratification, instant society. We want it now. <laughs> and if God doesn't do it now, we get what? Frustrated with him. And we're, we're going what? I don't trust in your love for me. That's what we're saying. You gotta get back to it and simply rest. And he knows the situation. He's working with the doctors. He's interested in my best interests. And he knows I'm in his love. And I am going to choose to rest there. Will you choose to rest? Or are you stubborn? No, I'm not going to rest. We have to choose to rest. Hebrews talks a lot about waiting for God patiently, even if the balloon is in some turbulence. Hebrews 6, 9 says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that has to do with salvation. 
God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through what? Faith and patience <laughs> inherit what is promised. So then he gives the example of Abraham. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no greater one to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. So what characteristics do we need to exhibit while we wait for that which is promised? Faith and patience. Not through our working to make it happen. We must wait for the wind. And what is the wind? God's mercy. Keep yourself in his love while you wait for what? His mercy. It is God's mercy that's gonna bring us to eternal life, not something that we do. So, you ever been, you know, taken to church, I remember as a kid. <laughs> we went three times a week. And as we were going to church, we were being brought there. I couldn't drive as a kid. I had to be brought. Guess what? You're being brought to eternal life. You have to learn to rest in that situation. You're being brought. So the balloon is taking you over the problems by God's mercy and you're being brought to your destination, which is what? Eternal life. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In his mercy, he has given us a new birth, and so now we live not by our ability to handle our problems, we live in hope of reaching our destination, which is eternal life. It's a gift. Eternal life is a gift. I'll say it again, eternal life is a gift. You don't earn it. You receive it. So you can yell and scream all you want in the balloon. <laughs> I think I can handle it. You can jump up and down, you can throw fits, you can try to impress him by turning somersaults, but I, you know something, I don't think he's that impressed. I think he knows what he's done already to make it possible for us to be in the balloon in the first place, to have one. And secondly, he knows it's his mercy that's bringing us to eternal life. So he reminded the Jews, 1 Peter 2, verse 10, once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
So we've received the wind of God's mercy and acknowledge it's bringing our balloon of God's love to our final destination, eternal life. This is the destination for all of us to be with Christ and to experience true life with him forever, to be made perfect in Christ. He's the one who's going to make us who we need to be. He's the one who's doing it. So the more you say that you're gonna change and you're gonna do it by your efforts, it's only by God's grace and the kindness that he puts in you that you're able to change. He gives you the strength to do it. And you need to humbly just worship and receive the change. It's a gift of his mercy to you. So call upon him. Say, God, I receive the change of having you in my life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become what? New. So we don't become new by changing ourselves. We become new by what? Experiencing the new life that we have in the love of God. John 6, 40, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Who's gonna raise you up? I don't think any of us can, take, can rise from the dead. <laughs> so God's gotta do it. No more trudging up and down the mountains hoping we can make it. No more seeing the cliffs ahead and cringing in fear. We're flying above it all in the balloon of God's love, looking down at our problems from his perspective. Are you in the balloon? So the key to resting in the middle of this life, in the middle of trials, is to get our focus off the problems and put it simply on the face of Christ and see in his eyes his love for us. Will you choose to do that in the middle of your stuff? We all got it. Isaiah 26, three, you will keep in perfect peace. I love that, perfect peace. Those whose minds are stayed are steadfast on you because they trust in you. They trust in your love for them. So it's interesting that people who fly hot air balloons as they talk about the, how many of you, has anybody been in a hot air balloon? Okay, for those of you who've been there, how would you describe it? As what? Incredibly peaceful. Incredibly peaceful. You don't hear the traffic. You can't hear anything up there except the burner and each other's voices maybe a little creaking sound of the balloon. That's about it, right? It's peaceful. That's how God wants you to live, in that peace. How far have we gotten from it? That's what concerns me. If people looked at the church and people in the church, would they say that their lives are peaceful? That they're living in the love of God? Are they resting? They should be the most restful people on the planet because they're in the balloon. 
So keep yourself in God's love while you wait for his mercy to bring you to eternal life. John 17 talks about Jesus praying for us, and he prays simply this in John 10, that, uh, that he would make our lives full. And then in John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, is your life characterized by fear, weariness, depression, shame, guilt? Or is it characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control? Are you living in God's love while you wait patiently for God to bring you to eternal life? So riding in the balloon takes the anxiety out of life. I could rest in the middle of the storm. David says, what's he say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. No evil. Don't matter what kind of words coming from. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me, not me, myself, protecting myself. So that's where we have to end up. Will you trust him with your life then becomes the crucial question that each of us must ask. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? Lean on your own understanding? No, lean not on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge God, or in all of your ways acknowledge God and he might direct your path. <laughs> See how we mess it up? He will direct your path. I can trust in it. I can bank on it. I can live by it. I can choose it in the middle of any situation that I face. Even in life's darkest hours, he's there. He's truly wonderful. Trust him today. Get in the balloon of his love. Keep yourself there. Trust in his mercy to bring you to eternal life. It's right there in a little verse in Jude. It's a beautiful thing. God's given it as a gift to you. He wants you to live life to the full, to experience his joy. That's why you're here. So, Get into it, enter into it, enjoy it, and see life from his perspective, not ours. Because it's his life that's supposed to be living in us now. Uh, one more verse. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in myself? No, Faith in the Son of God who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Have